Um, hi, everyone. Good to see you all here today. I have a, uh, a few things to share with you. And um, before the message, just want to start off by uh, let, letting everyone know that our youth pastor, uh, Smith Dubay, and his wife, Sarah, had their new baby uh, this week. So that's awesome. <laughs> Baby's name is Dolan. That is Sarah's uh, maiden name, Dolan Augustine Dubay. So that's an awesome name, isn't it? Um, born with a head of dark hair and 10 pounds, two ounces. Wow. Woohoo. Yeah, all you ladies can clap for that. How's that sound? That's a lot of work right there, I'll tell you. Well, I have another announcement that's a real happy announcement. It's um, about something God's been doing here in the church. Uh, you're all aware of how God's been working among the young adults here. Uh, if you're new here today, we've uh, just recently hired uh, two young uh, young people, to young adults to work on our church staff. And they have a house group that uh, runs on Friday nights. You've heard me talk about it uh, different times. Uh, it's held in our house, and they just take over the whole house, every, every room in the house except for our bedroom. And um, last Friday, they had over 60 people. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's, that's incredible. And if you've been to our house, you're wondering right now, how do you fit 60 people in? And I don't know. I know they, it, uh, they did, and it's, it's just an awesome thing that's happening there. Uh, there are people's lives that are really being impacted and changed through the Friday night young adult house group. Um, they are right now in the process of multiplying. And so starting next week, there will be two house groups, one on Thursday night and one on Friday night. And in case you're wondering, they're not going to be both at our home, okay? Uh, it's, it's just an exciting thing to see what God's doing. But I want, want to ask you first, pray about this. As they go through this transition of multiplying this group into two groups, just pray for wisdom and for God's presence and God's spirit uh, to continue to work there. And the Holy Spirit's just working in a really powerful way every Friday night. And I want you to pray with me that every Thursday night, uh, the Holy Spirit will be working uh, just as powerfully and impacting and changing lives just, just as dramatically. But I wanted to let you know something else also about, about the uh, young adult ministry and the young adult house group. Um, we wanted to, they, their part of their strategy is to have a venue where they can bring everybody back together that's coming to the two house groups. And so as we processed through that, uh, there was the possibility of just giving them a time, a service time when they could all come here and be here and, and, do, and, and, and have a service. But uh, we settled on this other idea that on the second and fourth Saturday nights of the month, the young adults are going to run our Saturday night service. And so they're going to be uh, doing the worship message. We're working with the other ministries as they integrate into and serve in other ministry areas. But um, that's an exciting thing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a, a real, real uh, powerful time. The messages are going to be coordinated with Sunday morning. So for those, uh, and I told the Saturday night group this last night, those that come on Saturday nights, they will still hear a message that is either the identical message or very consistent flow with what we're doing on Sunday mornings. 
And uh, the main difference, uh, same components, worship, uh, Bible teaching, prayer ministry. Uh, main difference, they'll have some testimonies as to what's happening in uh, the um, house groups. But other than that, it'll be pretty much the same, except we'll have 50 to 100 young adults here in the service uh, worshiping and sharing with us. So uh, I think that's exciting, don't you? That's awesome. I wanted to move on to the Freedom Project. For those of who are new, the Freedom Project is a project that we entered into about eight weeks ago uh, as a church body that we were going to give as a church body and, uh, and give to this project where all of the money would go to ministries totally outside us, just outside our realm even, even outside kind of our realm of influence here on the northwest and west side of Cincinnati. And um, uh, the, the church responded phenomenally to this project, uh, as you know. And what I want to do is read a few of the envelopes uh, and what people wrote on the envelopes to you. I want you to know first, I've read through every one of these and prayed over every one of them, and we'll do that again. Uh, these are, obviously, these are anonymous. But um, here, th- this, if you weren't here that day, when we received the offering, I encouraged people, if they, felt, if they felt like they would like to, to write something on the back of the envelope, a prayer that they have, something in their heart that they would just desire to see God do. It could be for a person. It could be for a ministry. But here, the first one I'm going to read to you is this. Uh, this is a prayer for, for the person who, who made this offering. God, set my heart free to give your words to others. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, that, that needs to be all of our desires. God, set my heart free so I can give your word to others. God, please release my son. Of course, I'm not going to read a name. Uh, from the heroin addiction that has taken over his life. So many. So many of us have sons, daughters, friends, relatives, uh, cousins that are involved in some, uh, some form of addiction. And heroin addiction is such a horrible thing right now in our culture and in, in our community. Here's one, God, free, and then names uh, two people from their addictions. And heal, uh, and it names uh, another name, I assume, as a family name. But let, let them be reunited as a family. That, that's a powerful prayer, isn't it? I pray God will answer that. Uh, free, and then the name of a young person from spiritual strongholds. O oh Lord, remove the walls of fear from and around the hearts of, and then names some, uh, I believe it's family members. Fill them with your love. So, so many of us have burdens for family members. I mean, can you identify with that? That there's a family member that, wh- whether it is just that they, they're, they're just lost and they're seeking and their heart's broken, or, or whether there's some overt thing like an addiction or some other some other thing that's just gripping their lives. So many of us have, have relatives and friends that need freedom. Here's a simple one. Thank you. And then one free. And then the name of the young woman from drug addiction. Here's one that was uh, moving, but uh, they're all moving, but this one particularly, please help 
release addiction's hold on the world. And then it's stated in loving memory of a child that uh, passed away from this family in a young adult that passed away in this family. God, please set free those in Cincinnati addicted to heroin. Set them free. God, free the children in Southeast Asia and India. Oh, Lord, Lord, destroy the sex trade everywhere. That's, that's a big prayer, isn't it? Yeah, that's, but that's the kind of prayers we ought to be praying. We need to be praying for God's kingdom to come into this world and to destroy evil everywhere. It shows its face in the world. And what we're really praying for there in some respects is for Jesus to return. But he wants us to pray for his kingdom to come and the glory of God to fill the earth. Break the sex trade in Southeast Asia. Here's one uh, that really kind of touched my heart. It's very simple, but it just said, Jesus gives, so do I. <laughs> Isn't that good? And then I love this one too. The Freedom Project reminded us how truly blessed we are. And it was a blessing and a pleasure to give to the kingdom of God away from Vineyard Church Northwest. So th- this is a person that um, uh, obviously they're, they give here. They're a regular giver here. But they're just saying it's refreshing. It kind of like breaks my thinking. It makes me, it makes me reevaluate why I'm, why I'm here, why I'm giving here when I start giving there. And, and actually, as we give there, it makes us reevaluate, well, I, I need to give here too because we want to keep, we want to see people walk through these doors and we want to see them come into an atmosphere and a church culture where they are going to be freed from addictions. And where they're going to be freed to walk into a new relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I, I love that one. It, uh, it, it, it kind of boils things down to a, a real point. But here, thank you, God, for your freedom. We are blessed to be a ble- We are blessed to be a blessing. And we celebrate Christ's power and freedom in the lives of others. Exclamation point, smiley face. I like that. Where's Tyler. Tyler doesn't let me use exclamation points as often as I would like to because he's the grammarian in the bunch. But uh, I like that exclamation and smiley face. So I want to just share some of these with you. There are a couple hundred that we have. um, And as I said, I've read through and prayed through them all. They're confidential. Hope you know that the names of the people we've, um, um, you know, we will not share and blocked out. But I just wanted to share those with you. All right, so last week the total was 93,500, if you remember that. You might have read your program already, but uh, we have a new total, and let's put it up there right now, $99,932.35. So earlier this morning, someone saw that total, and they said, well, here's $68. So... That puts us over $100,000. So we're so thankful for that and uh, so thankful for God's blessing in our lives and that he gives us freedom to give. It's a joy, isn't it? Isn't it cool? It's the coolest thing in the world. Uh, We're going to be following up in upcoming weeks on the ministries as we track with them and the impact these gifts uh, will have on them. But uh, for right now, what I want to do is pray. And then I'm going to introduce a short video just as kind of a break in the flow here. And then I'm going to come back up and give a short message this morning. So, Father God, we thank you. Um, 
thank you that we can be part of this. Thank you that we can be part of the Freedom Project, which really is your project. Lord, that's yours. You want the kingdom to come into this world and to bring freedom. So we thank you for that and honor you. And uh, we, we just welcome your presence here today. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to be present here and to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this video, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe it to you before we watch it. It's from a movie called Oblivion. And uh, in this movie, it's, it happens in the future at some point in time when we have thousands of astronauts out in space in different places. This alien uh, civilization comes along. They scoop up all of our astronauts in outer space. They, they, they wipe their, brain, their memories. They wipe their brains clean somehow, some alien technology. And then they reprogram them to to fight, and they send them back to conquer the earth. And this is after all the wars, but we still have some resistance going on. And you're going to hear the resistance leader talking to Tom Cruise, who is one of those guys that they sent back that has remembered who he was and has become part of the resistance. And so uh, I want you to watch this. It's relevant to the message today and to to the kingdom of God and to everything Jesus is doing. So let's watch this, and I'll be right back up. The doors opened, and out you came. Astronaut Jack Harper. Thousands of you. Memory wiped. Programmed to kill. They had taken one of our best, turned them against us. No soul, no humanity. The Tet. What a brilliant machine. Feeding off one planet after another for energy. Phase two was drones, repairmen. Fifty years of watching those hydro rigs suck our planet dry. And one day, I saw you set down. Another drone to fix. But in the rubble that day, was a book. You picked it up. You studied it. And I thought I saw a way. When you stepped in front of that drone, saved her, I knew. You were in there, somewhere. I just had to find a way to bring you back. Okay, uh, how many of you have seen this movie? Anyone tell us how it ends? I'm just kidding. I don't want to know how it ends. I, I pray, played it for that last phrase. I just had to find a way to bring you back. Uh, some of us uh, remember General Douglas MacArthur when he was driven out of the Philippines at the beginning of World War II said, I shall return. And then others might remember um, Terminator who said what? I'll be back. Okay, just for those who may not be old enough to know this, General MacArthur's a real historical person and Terminator was fiction, okay? Just to make that clear. 
But this, this guy says, I had to figure out a way to bring you back. He was wrecked. He was ruined. His, his mind was gone. Reprogrammed to do things he wasn't really created to do. Had no memory of life as it had been. But they found a way to bring him back. Now, I want you to shift in your thinking to Jesus for just a moment. And I want you to think of this. That to really understand the mission of Jesus... We have to understand how wrecked and ruined the human race is. That through Adam and Eve's fall, we lost all memory of who we were. We lost our sense of purity. We lost our sense of innocence. I know how that impacts not only our relationship with God, but our relationship with every other human being. We lost any sense or memory of God's glory. Lost it all. We were wrecked and ruined. My memories wiped, wiped clean and reprogrammed for a different way of life, a way that we weren't created to actually live in. Recreated for mayhem. Now I'm going to show you another short video right now. I hope you enjoy it. It's funny, but it really has a powerful point because each one of us were created with an internal guidance system that God put in us. And when humanity fell, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, that internal guidance system was wrecked so that we don't know what direction to turn now. Let's watch this. It just takes 30 seconds. I'm your GPS. Turn right up ahead. You never update me. So now I just have to wing it. I meant turn left up ahead. Recalculating. Turn right now! <laughs> and your cut rate insurance may not pay for all this. So get Allstate. You can save money and be better protected from mayhem. Like me. Recalculating. Mayhem is everywhere. So get an Allstate agent. Are you in good hands? How many of us have experienced that? You make a decision. Oh, this is what I should do. And then as you're approaching that decision, no, this is what I should do. No, this is what, and different voices come in and different opinions come in. And our ability to, to really sense what is it God's given? What is it that God's created me for? That has to be restored. Jesus came to bring us back. He came to restore us to what God had originally created us to be. He came to renew our sense of innocence, our understanding of what purity means and our, our ability to walk in purity. And he came to open our eyes to really understand and see the glory of God, the presence of God, to experience the presence of God. Now you might ask the question, well, how does he do that? Well, he, he does that by releasing his kingdom. Remember, Jesus taught us to pray this way. He said that we are to pray Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth, just as it is in heaven. And so it's Jesus' intent, it's God's intent. The triune God set this purpose. And they set this, this whole plan in play, into in motion, in order to bring heaven back to earth. And so the purpose of God in our lives... The purpose for Jesus coming wasn't so much to get us to heaven when we die. I mean, that's implying that, yeah, things might be rough right now, but they're okay. As long as when I die, I go to heaven. That's all that counts. 
But that, that's not right. Things aren't okay right now. Life needs to be fixed right now. And so it's God's intent to release the kingdom of heaven to earth. So as God's will is being done in heaven, his, his desire is that his will be done on earth in the same way. Now that's where we get the whole concept of freedom because in heaven there's no bondage. In heaven there's no addiction. In heaven there, there's no bitterness or grudges that are held for uh, a lifetime or for generations. In heaven, there's no stealing. In heaven, there is no assault. In heaven, there's no poverty or hunger. In heaven, there's no fear. There's no depression. There's no worry about tomorrow. And God wants to release that into our lives today. That's his purpose. That's his purpose. Now we ask the question, how do we get there? How do we get there? See, the main problem is not the final destination. When I'm saying how we get there, it means I'm saying... How do we get there right now? How do I move from being in this wrecked state of life with a wrecked GP, internal GPS system that doesn't really get it, doesn't really grasp who God is? How do I get from there to being renewed and being able to live in the presence of God and being able to live with the kingdom of God in me? Well, Jesus gives us uh, some direction in that in John chapter 8. I want to read through these verses. John 8, starting in verse 30. Here Jesus is speaking to a large group of people. And um, in, in his message, he says this. He tells them who he is and why he's here. And then in verse 30, it says, As he was saying these things, many people believed in him. They believed in him. Now, earlier in the Gospel of John, believing in him is described as receiving him. Opening our hearts to him. Not just an intellectual type of belief that says, well, okay, Jesus, it sure looks like you're the son of God. And now I'm going to go on my way in life. But a believing in him that says, if you really are who you say you are, and I believe you are, then I'm giving my life to you. I'm, I'm inviting you into my life. And I'm going to ask you to come into my life. So believing in him, that, that's how the Bible describes believing in him at the highest level in the Gospel of John. But there's also uh, th- this, uh, this other sense of belief in the Gospel of John where it seems that, that people are able to believe in some lesser way. One place it says that they believed in him, but Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew what was in man. And so even though they had some sort of mental agreement that they believed in him, it wasn't the type of heart commitment that Jesus was really looking for. And so here's what he says to them. He says this in verse 31. So Jesus said to those who had believed him, believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. A disciple is someone who learns about life from another person. You're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so Jesus says, okay, believing. If, if it's true belief, if it is true belief where there is a receiving of Jesus into my life, then the next step is that I continue with him. I continue in his word. I trust his word. When his word and my GPS system disagree... I allow his word to reprogram my internal GPS system. 
because my GPS system is whacked and it needs to be renewed, needs to be changed, it needs to be restored. And so I continue in his word. I read his word. I listen to his word more than anything else. I, I allow his word to change the way I think about life and look at life, which then impacts my actual behavior, the way I'm actually living life. And Jesus says that when that happens, when we continue in his word, uh, he says, you are my disciples. It's in the present tense. He doesn't say you will become my disciple. He says, you are my disciple. So a person can move from being a total unbeliever to being a disciple in what? A hundredth of a second. In whatever amount of time it takes that person to say, Jesus, I believe you come into my life. You're worth everything. I am committing my life to you. And then they begin to follow that out. Even in those initial baby steps, Jesus says, you are my disciple. It doesn't say you will be once you reach a certain level of obedience. You are in, in those initial steps of obedience. So he goes on to say then, and as, as a disciple, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the word know here is a word that means more than intellect. It means experience. It means know for yourself. It means know because you've tasted it. You know, it's, it's one thing for you to tell me about your favorite restaurant. And then I could tell the people, oh, that's Steve's favorite restaurant. Yes, Steve's a pretty good guy. It must be a good restaurant. That's different than me going to that restaurant and tasting the food there and actually experiencing the atmosphere and the ambience of the restaurant and coming away and saying, wow, that is a great restaurant, great food, great service, wonderful atmosphere because I've experienced it myself. And he's saying here that the way we experience truth is we look to Jesus, we see who he is. We say, if you are who you are, then you are worth everything. And I'm gonna, I'm, here's my life. I'm giving you my life. Another way I'm in, to put it, I'm inviting you into my life, lead my life. And then if the natural outcome of that is, well, here's Jesus. Jesus says, I'm supposed to forgive that person. Well, Everything inside me says I can't forgive them. But Jesus says I'm supposed to forgive them. So, okay, first of all, Jesus, I, I, I accept that and I believe that. Forgiveness is the priority here. And Jesus, I'm going to allow your spirit and your presence and your power to give me what I need to forgive them. And we take steps of forgiveness. And Jesus says as we do that, as we abide in his word, we experience truth and the experience of truth, the truth of God, is what frees us. It frees us. Because we begin to realize, I don't need that other thing. I don't, I don't need that drug. I don't need that relationship that I'm addicted to. I don't need this gossip that seems to do something for me and makes my day somehow seem more exciting. I don't need that. I need Jesus. I need, I, I have this relationship with God, the father. And you know, I'm going to say no to that. Yeah. I know if I go over there and I, you know, I'm going to hear some really great stuff about other people. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm tantalized, but I'm going to say no to that. I'm going to walk this way. I'm going to take a step with Jesus. When we do that, boy, something powerful happens in our lives. And we begin to experience this inner sense of freedom 
that Jesus talks about, that the Bible talks about, that we've been talking about all of these weeks. And that freedom releases me into God's presence in a new way so that now even my, my memory of God's glory comes back. My ability to see God's glory comes back. My ability to actually recognize that God is worthy of worship, that comes back. That's renewed. And then the more I experience of him, the more I say, you are beautiful. You're awesome. You're so wonderful. I can't help but just turn to you, God, and say, I love you and I worship you. And you're, thank you for the, your blessings in my life. But even if I wasn't being blessed right now, I'd still have to turn to you. And I'd still have to say, you are awesome and beautiful and wonderful. Because that internal part of us is brought back to life. It's just like Adam and Eve got to experience God walking with him, talking with him, experiencing him in purity of heart and life. We get to come back into that type of experience with God. That's what worship's all about. That is. That's what worship's all about. And just this sense of the revealed presence of God that comes when we worship and, uh, and when we focus our hearts and our minds on him, we are invited to come freely into his presence to worship. Nothing hinders us any longer because we're free. In the Old Testament, they weren't free. They had to bring animal sacrifices to worship. There was a curtain that separated the people from the presence of God. But when Jesus came, Jesus was the sacrifice. He gave himself. He was the final sacrifice. Gave himself. And when Jesus died on that cross, that giant curtain that separated the holiest place where the presence of God actually dwelt in a visible form, separated from the people. When Jesus died on the cross, an angel came and tore that curtain in half, just, just took it at the top and just ripped it in half and threw it aside so that he was saying, from this moment on, no more. you don't have to bring animal sacrifices anymore. Jesus has made the sacrifice. Because of his sacrifice, come in, come on in. Come on into the most intimate place with God. And whereas we see places in the Old Testament where they feared God and when God's presence showed up, they, the, the, the people feared and drew back. Today, when God's presence shows up, we draw in. That doesn't mean we don't fall on our faces at times. That doesn't mean we aren't totally humbled to be in the presence of God. But when God's presence shows up, we say, I want more. I want more. Because Jesus has cleansed me. And because Jesus has renewed me and I can see who God is and I can come into his presence, that's ultimate, that's freedom. That's real freedom. Well, we're going to worship now. I'm going to invite the worship team to come out. And those that are going to serve communion can make their way back uh, to begin the process of getting ready to serve. But as we worship and as, as we share together in communion, what, um, what I want us to think about is this whole idea of God's presence. What does it mean to say that we experience God's presence? You know, in the Old Testament, there was a place where God's presence came in the form of a cloud. It was just a tangible, visible presence of God. It was, he, it was visible, you could see. And I, I want to say that when we talk about God's presence, we're not talking about an emotional experience necessarily. Okay, if you hear this, 
It's not like going to a beautiful wedding and crying. Oh, that wedding was so, oh, what they said. And when they, oh, it was so beautiful, I couldn't help but cry. That, that, I mean, we might cry when the presence of God comes, but those two things are not the same. It's not like hearing the national anthem at the beginning of a football game. And I choke up because my dad used to choke up because he was in World War II and it meant this huge thing to him to stand there, especially on Memorial Day and, and see the parade go by. It's not like having an emotional experience because of something that touches us emotionally. The presence of God can touch us emotionally. Don't get me wrong. But the presence of God goes beyond that. There is a tangible thing. The air thickens. You feel weight on your body. You might, your, your nervous system might respond by trembling. Have you ever been in a place where the barometric pressure changed suddenly? You can feel it in the air. It's almost something like that. There's just something that comes and happens, and it's kind of like, wow, what's going on here? It's God's presence. And when we experience that, we just want to press in more. And so we're, we're, we're going to receive communion, and the way we receive communion is you take that little uh, cracker. Jesus said, this represents my body, which was given for you. And we take that and we dip it in the juice, which Jesus says, this represents my blood, which was shed for you. We take the cracker, we dip it in the juice, and then we eat it. And that's like saying, Jesus, I want every bit of you in me. I want you in me. I want to know you. I want to see your glory. I want to experience your presence and your glory. So we're going to stand right now, okay? And I'm going to pray. And as, as we pray, the servers are going to make their ways to, to their places. And then we're just going to start into worship. And when you are ready, you can come and receive communion. But as we sing these words, let the words pass through your mind, into your heart, and then back out your mouth to God. So we're worshiping the living God. And, and be sensitive to his presence being here. So, Father God, we thank you for your great love for us. Thank you that through Jesus, you welcome us into your presence. You welcome us home into your presence. Jesus, thank you that you died for us. And Holy Spirit, you are present here. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to reveal your presence here today. Come today. Reveal your presence to us as we worship. Change our lives. Let us experience truth and walk in freedom. Come, Lord, in Jesus' name.